Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello. Happy Tuesday, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm even more excited for today's guest, Ryan Kipping. And Ryan is a clinically trained registered dietitian nutritionist, a certified lactation educator, and author of the Feel Good Pregnancy Cookbook. She is the founder of The Prenatal Nutritionist, a virtual nutrition private practice which focuses on preparing women for pregnancy and conquering nutrition during and after pregnancy. She helps women feel confident in their ability to properly nourish themselves and to grow in baby through a real food approach. Ryan is also the founder of the Prenatal Nutrition Library, which is how I found her. This is her online community for evidence-based nutrition information before and during pregnancy. She also has an amazing Instagram at Prenatal Nutritionist, which is actually how I found her. She is so funny and she keeps things so real too. She gives you real solutions for real problems and what more could you ask for that? You guys, eating during pregnancy is hard and it's even harder now in this pandemic when we're spending so much time at home some people don't feel comfortable ordering out so now you have to cook for yourself cooking for yourself before the pandemic was hard enough now that we're in the pandemic it's doubly hard and if you're pregnant that just takes things to a whole new level i thought i would have ryan on the show to talk about how we can make that easier, how we can start to use a food first approach, how we can get all of our nutrition from food and supplement only what we need. I also wanted Ryan to dive into prenatals and how to know if you're actually taking a good prenatal and how to know what is a good prenatal. I'm so excited to have her on the show with us today. You guys buckle up because this episode is going to be jam-packed with good information. You might want to flag it so that you can come back to it later. All right, without further ado, Ryan, welcome to the show. Hi. I'm so excited to have you on today because, you know, nutrition is hard. Like just nutrition for humans is hard. Um, and then you get pregnant. And I think 
our first thoughts or one of our first thoughts is like, oh my God, what does this do to my diet? What do I, how do I change? What do I stay away from? What should I add? How do I make all these decisions? And I think, um, I mean, you know, better than anybody, diet culture in our country is really hard to navigate. You don't know what's true. You don't know what's evidence-based. You don't know what actually has science behind it and what is a fad. And so how in the world are pregnant people supposed to navigate this? And so that's why I wanted to have you on today. I think that a conversation with you down to earth, um, you know, evidence-based backed with science. And here is very simple things that you can do in your pregnancy to help you have a healthier pregnancy and hopefully a better birth outcome, right? The healthier you go into pregnancy or into birth, the easier your birth is going to be. So while we're talking about the very basics, yeah. Can we start with some essential vitamins and minerals for pregnancy and where we get these? Is it something that we need to supplement with? Is it possible to get it through food? What are these vitamins and minerals? Um, you know, yeah. what do we need to know on the very basic level? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so hard to like, when, when you're in this field, it's so hard to be like, okay, the basics, how do we like make this super basic. And I first want to say, totally agree with you. Diet culture is crazy right now. And it's hard enough to eat when you aren't pregnant to figure out what to eat when you aren't pregnant. And then when you throw pregnancy in the mix, it's like crazy, right? There's like so much confusion because there's so many do's and don'ts list floating around. One source says something, another source says something completely different. So there's just so much confusion. So yes, I definitely agree 100%. And that is why I'm here to clear that confusion um, and make you feel confident. But not only that, just so you have informed decisions, because like I always say, and I say this a lot, like, I'm not trying to steer you one way or the other. I'm just trying to give you the science and give you the information so you can make the best choice for you and your pregnancy. Because with all these diets floating around out there, ultimately it is individualized and nutrition should be individualized you shouldn't be following the exact same diet as your neighbor, right? Because we are all so unique and we all have different, um, you know, health backgrounds and nutrition concerns and just allergies and sensitivities and things like that. So at the end of the day, it's definitely going to be individualized to you. With that being said, of course, during pregnancy, there are nutrients that are super important and things we do want to focus on. So to start us off, I think that one nutrient that most people immediately think of when they think of pregnancy is folate or folic acid, which are commonly used interchangeably, which (laughs) they are technically the same nutrient. We're talking about the same nutrient. They're just different forms of that nutrient. So folate is the kind that's naturally found in food and folic acid is the synthetic form. So folic acid is generally the more common type found in supplements. Um, and it's also the kind that's fortified what food is fortified with. So whenever you, see breads and pastas and rice, all of these like flour grain-based products are fortified with folic acid. Um, so that means it wasn't naturally there. They companies and organizations actually took folic acid and put it in that food. And I'd like to give a little background here because the reason they did that was, and I think it was like in the eighties, there was 
a lot of neural babies being born with neural tube defects. So they were like, how can we fix this? Um, what should we do? And folate is the nutrient that helps close the neural tube. So it's super important for baby's brain and spinal cord development. So they were like, let's just fortify the foods that people eat the most with folic acid and we'll fix this issue. And they did, right? So they saw a major decline in neural tube defects, which was great. It was like, awesome, this worked. But to me, I'm thinking, is it smart to be promoting the <laughs> eating of increased intake of processed, like refined grains, essentially, right? Like cereals and breads and pastas and things like that. And I'm not saying we cannot eat those things, right? Just to like pull back a little bit. I'm not saying we can't include those. We can definitely include them. Um, we just want to include them on a, you know, moderation basis. So all that being said, my focus and my recommendation is to put the majority of our focus on natural sources of folate. So that's the folate that's naturally there. It's found in dark leafy green vegetables, avocados, asparagus, citrus fruits, nuts and seeds. It's found in a lot of things, eggs. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of ways we can get natural folate. So that's the kind I say we spend the majority of our time focusing on. And that's also the kind we should look for in supplements too. We want to pick one that has a supplement that has folate versus folic acid, because that's the kind that the body just prefers and is absorbed better <laughs> in the body. And there's a little bit more to that different conditions and the MTHFR gene and all these certain other factors that we won't, I won't delve into yet. Um, but yes, that's, that's kind of my brief synopsis and breakdown long synopsis of folate and folic acid. <laughs> um, so another nutrient, if we'll, we'll just roll right through some of these, um, choline, which is something I talk about on my Instagram feed a lot. Um, if you're a follower of mine, you were probably like, yes, Ryan's always blab in her mouth about choline. Um, <laughs> but you will understand why if you read a little bit more into my posts, because choline has been compared to folate in its importance. Although it is a new, relatively new nutrient in, in the science world, new is like the past 20, 30 years new, that's still new. Um, so not many people talk about it and not many providers even know that it's so important. They don't, they haven't seen the research and stuff like that out there, especially, you know, doctors that went to school in like the sixties and <laughs> before it was like even discovered. Right. And don't keep up with their research and things like that. But anyways, choline has been compared to its importance in um, pregnancy to folate. So it's important in brain and spinal cord development as well. And it's majority found in eggs and specifically in the yolks. So there's definitely information out there that we should eat egg whites. Well, I think that's kind of outdated and super old to just eat the egg whites. I know that people still do that. So I always like to say, make sure you eat the yolk whenever you're eating eggs, because a lot of the nutrients, majority of the nutrients are actually in the yolk. So we definitely want to eat the yolk when we're eating eggs, especially during pregnancy for that choline. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good conversation about those two nutrients. Um, iron is obviously super important too. that. I think that's next to folate. I think iron is the second nutrient people think of, um, 
when we think of what nutrients are important for pregnancy, um, because your risk of iron deficiency is extremely likely because your blood volume is continuing to increase as you get bigger and bigger. And as baby grows bigger and bigger and iron is just super important for overall development of baby, just all babies growing limbs and all these things it's involved in all of those pieces of baby growing. And then just for you to have energy because pregnancy is so hard and there's, you know, you, you experience fatigue a lot in the first trimester. And I mean, throughout the whole pregnancy, I'm sure you will experience fatigue at different points, but iron is a, a nutrient that's super important to make sure you're maintaining your energy levels as well. So those are three main ones, but I can continue if you want to go on more. Yeah. I mean, go for it. I would love to hear all the ones. So I, I guess I didn't realize that iron, you know, helps with our energy supply and helps combat fatigue. I am familiar with folate and folic acid, obviously in choline. I knew those were both very important. Iron knew was important just because it's kind of important for all humans, right? Iron (laughs) chronically run low on iron. And so in pregnancy, I always understood that it was extra important. I did not know that it combats fatigue. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. So super important, especially to get, get your, if you are feeling like super fatigued, get your iron levels tested. Cause that's definitely a, a red flag. Um, but to some extent, Oh, I was gonna say to some extent fatigue is normal in the first trimester when you first find out you're pregnant, but yeah, go ahead. What kind of, um, iron supplements can we take that aren't going to cause constipation? Because that's a, that is like probably the number one complaint that I hear is I'm taking iron, but it's making my stomach hurt. So what do we do about that? Yeah. And that's such a good point too. And that's again, why testing is so important because not everyone needs iron supplements. Sometimes like providers will just put like a blanket recommendation out there. That's like, okay, your supplement needs to have folate and iron and calcium. They'll just like list off nutrients when in reality it should be individualized to you. And if you don't need to supplement with iron, you shouldn't, right? (laughs) Because exactly what you just said, it does cause, it can cause a lot of stomach issues and constipation and things like that. So if you don't need to supplement with iron, if your levels are looking good, then we don't need to put you through that. (laughs) So test, if you can test before you find out you're pregnant, test when you do first find out you're pregnant, either one of those is great. Um, and you see like, okay, my iron levels are looking good. Then I would honestly recommend finding a prenatal without iron because that that is going to cause it's not, it is, but a lot of people, it does cause constipation and things like that. But yeah, there's different forms of iron too. So if you are someone who does need iron, your levels come back low, um, try different forms of iron. I think it's iron bisglycinate. That's the one that causes the least amount of side effects. Um, I'm like, why am I blanking on this? I'm pretty sure that's the one that's the form that it is. Um, So try that one, but also food first. I'm totally a food first dietitian. So the best way to increase your iron levels is by through food. So definitely work on increasing high iron foods. Um, If you are someone that likes red meat, red meat is one of the best sources of iron, heme iron, right? Because there's heme iron, there's non-heme iron. So heme iron is the kind that's better absorbed by our bodies. And that's the kind that's found in animal products. So that's kind of where we want to put our majority focus is getting iron from animal products, um, ideally from red meat, 
chicken, those kind of things are higher organ meats. If you like organ meats, liver, things like that, most people don't, but if you do, you can include those because those are going to be the best sources. Um, and then there, you can include plant sources too. You just, those aren't going to be like the best to increase your levels. Um, but it's not going to hurt for sure. Uh, cooked spinach is one of the best sources of, um, iron from plants, pumpkin seeds are great too. So including some of those things. And then final tip there is to pair them with some source of vitamin C, especially with the non-heme sources, because vitamin C will enhance iron absorption. So hot tip there. <laughs> that is a hot tip. I, I actually really appreciate that. I'm going to start doing that with my own personal iron and I'm not pregnant. Okay. Yeah. So we did a lot of, um, talking about testing and making sure that your levels were right. What kind of testing are we doing? Just a traditional CBC. And you mentioned before pregnancy. And then also after you find out you get pregnant, both or one or the other, can it change drastically from when you are trying to conceive to when you get pregnant? Well, if you are listening and you are trying to get pregnant right now, then I absolutely recommend testing pre-pregnancy um, just because it's ideal to go into pregnancy with no nutrient deficiencies, right? Going into pregnancy with your nutrition a game, you know, just top, top game there, um, is ideal. So if you can test before realize like, Oh shoot, I am deficient in iron. You can correct it and then go into pregnancy without any deficiencies. That being said, if you just found out you're pregnant, um, now is a great time too. like, you just found out you're pregnant, go ahead and get some blood work done because obviously if it does come back low, we want to correct that as soon as possible if you're currently pregnant too. So yeah, CBC will usually show iron, um, hemoglobin. It's great to go a step further and test your ferritin too. Ferritin is like the test that shows your iron storage capability. So how much iron you have stored essentially I'm trying to describe this in the best way I can, um, which is like the best indicator of deficiency. Um, so that's a good one to do. There are definitely some other tests you can have done outside of a CBC, like vitamin D and B12 and things like that. You can get more micronutrient testing just depends on if you have the means because micronutrient testing can get expensive and not many insurances cover it. <laughs> So if you have the means, I definitely say do it. Um, if not at the minimum, definitely get a CBC with your iron and um, hopefully get vitamin D done as well. Cause that nutrient is super important as well. Um, and then final note there with testing, always make sure you get your blood work reviewed by a clinician. Even if you do order it from a third party or you order it yourself online or something like that, just always make sure you have a clinician to go over it with you. Cause you definitely <laughs> want to get someone who's knowledgeable and not just be like, Oh, I think this is low. And then start like taking your own supplements and like all that sort of wild stuff. So yeah, always make sure you're running things by your provider or someone else who is knowledgeable. Sure. And a provider that, you know, hopefully knows you, not some random right. provider that you just met, um, you know, make sure you're yeah. going to someone that you trust you guys. Um, this is important. And I love that you talk about getting tested prenatally. It makes me think that one of those things might be why you're not able to conceive. So if we can set your right. body, right. Exactly what you're saying on that a game of nutrition. Yeah. I wonder how much faster you might be able to get pregnant, which would just be amazing. Okay. So all this talk about these nutrients and stuff. I know a lot of people are like food first. I hear you girls, but 
<laughs> Aren't I taking a prenatal vitamin? Are these things that we can get in our prenatal vitamins? And if not, you know, is it something that we should supplement with after we do food? How do we know we're getting enough from food? How much should we be eating in order to kind of know we're getting enough of these things from food and we don't need to supplement? Yeah. So I definitely say food first, because ideally we want to strive to meet our nutrient needs through food, um, and then kind of use supplements as an insurance policy that we're getting everything that we need. And so a prenatal vitamin is not going to provide everything you need. It just doesn't, and it won't. So you have to think about your food. (laughs) You just do. Um, so that being said, there are certain times in life that I think it's necessary to supplement and pregnancy is one of those times because your needs are heightened, right? Your needs are higher for nutrients than they will likely ever be in your life during pregnancy and breastfeeding, right? Um, your needs are so high. So it's very, it, it can be challenging to meet those nutrient needs, especially if you're like a smaller person and you don't eat that many calories. So if you are eating like 1600 calories, there is like, you will, you won't be able to meet your nutrient needs because you're just simply not eating enough food. Um, so in that case, you definitely need to be taking a well-rounded prenatal vitamin. I have worked with people that don't want to take anything. They don't want to supplement with anything. They're like, I just want to do this all, you know, natural or whatever. And at that point I'm like, well, I'm glad you came to me. (laughs) Like it's possible, right? You, you can, at the least I say like take folate, um, definitely. And if you're low in vitamin D, let's take vitamin D. Um, so there are some things that, you know, at a bare minimum, maybe we can just take a few like individual nutrients to make sure you're good to go. Um, but yeah, if you don't want to supplement, you're just going to have to be really on top of your planning. Um, you know, be very cognizant about like, okay, do I have a source of choline today? Do I have a source of vitamin D today? Do I have a source of calcium today? You're just going to have to like, be able to run through the nutrients in your head and look at your days and plan them out. Right. You can't just like wing it and go, you know, by the fly, um, Granted, like, I think we should all do a little bit of planning, even if we are taking a prenatal vitamin, <laughs> like it would be great for all of us to make sure we're having some things planned out. Um, but pregnancy is hard too, right? There's so many ups and downs. There's morning sickness, heartburn. I mean, we just talked about fatigue. There's so many things that you're going to go through that make it challenging to stay on top of your nutrition. And I get that, you know, every day is not going to be perfect and that's not the goal. Um, we just want to make sure we're doing the best we can. Sure. Okay. So how do we know what prenatals to pick right now? We, we know like, yes, we need them and, or to just be on top of our food, but if we choose Mm -hmm. to do a prenatal, oh my goodness, there are hundreds out there and kind of like the science behind, you know, diet culture, we don't know what's actually good and what's actually not in the packaging. It wraps me in. It really I'm like, oh my God, it's so cute. And I'm like, wait, I don't know if those are good prenatals, right? So how, what are we looking for? How do we know? How can you actually, um, I don't know, kind of make sure that it's a credible company that's putting out this prenatal, it's a trustworthy brand. Yeah, that's such a good question. And I definitely get this question all the time. And (laughs) what I say is that I get why people are so kind of consumed in the prenatal vitamin 
search because generally that's one of the only pieces of advice, nutrition quote, I'm doing air quotes, nutrition advice that your provider will give you is just say, Oh, just take a prenatal vitamin, which there's like, Oh my God, so much more to it. Right. But since that's the only piece of advice we're given, we get so hyper-focused on like, okay, we need to find the best prenatal vitamin out there. And then we do all this research and we're so concerned and all of these things. When in reality, the food you eat is way more important than any supplement you're going to take. So I always say, I wish that people spent the amount of time and money (laughs) on their nutrition and food and planning versus the time they spend on finding supplements and spending money on supplements, because truly the food you eat is way more important. So just to preface it with that, however, you know, we do want to find a supplement that is quality and that is going to work. Number one, it's not just kind of like fillers and things in a pill that you're paying money for. Um, right. Cause that sucks, but yeah. So you definitely want to find a quality brand. And the number one thing to look for is if the brand is third-party tested. So essentially that means they've paid a third party to take their supplement, run it through test to make sure that it is free of, you know, certain harmful things. That's true. What they're saying is in there. If they're saying so much vitamin A is in there, that that is actually true. That is how much vitamin A is in there. Um, so just making sure that it has undergone testing to make sure it's a clean product. And usually it's pretty apparent if this is something that they have done if you're at the store, when you're looking at bottles, they usually have stickers that will say like third party tested, like it'll be printed on the bottle. Um, and then if you're doing online research, usually it's pretty clear on their website. Um, it'll say like third party testing. Um, you can go to like, usually like their about page or their like more info, stuff like that. Maybe even in like a Q and a, Um, it'll say that they've undergone third-party testing. So that's definitely a good way to know if, you know, they're a quality supplement brand. But yeah, it's so funny that you said like the marketing gets you because (laughs) I've seen so many companies that have like, the cutest marketing and they're like so on point with branding, but then it's like their supplements missing half of the nutrients you need. So yes, that's a great point. Don't get caught up in the cutesy marketing and that sort of thing. It's very easy to do. Um, You definitely want to do your due diligence and make sure you're actually looking at it and stuff like that. Um, And I want to say this too with supplements. Like I said, at the very beginning, when we first started chatting, it's individualized, right? People are always like, which one do you recommend? Which one do you recommend? And you'll go to my feed and I never recommend one to 80,000 people because that really doesn't make any sense. You know, like I was saying at the beginning, if someone is not deficient in iron, I'm not going to recommend a supplement with iron to them. So there's so many factors that come into play, but of course, always third-party testing. I always do recommend finding one with choline, um, always with folate versus folic acid, finding one with the activated forms of vitamins. So it'll say like methyl cobalamin instead of like vitamin B12. So it'll have a little like funkier type names (laughs) on them, probably like methyl, um, in front of some of the words. And then, um, I do recommend vitamin D of course, definitely vitamin D. Some of them don't have a lot of vitamin D. Um, most of them will have around like 600 IUs, but more than that is 
most likely everyone will need more than that. I don't want to make any blanket statements, but 600 IUs is not a lot of vitamin D. So you definitely want more than that. Um, vitamin, uh, did I say, I said vitamin D, vitamin K2, not many supplements have vitamin K2, vitamin K1 and vitamin K2 are very different. So vitamin K2, two, if you can find one, there's not many out there that have vitamin K2, um, magnesium is another nutrient that I wanted to mention too, because most prenatal vitamins either don't have it at all, or don't have sufficient amounts, right? They have like a tiny, tiny amount of magnesium. So that's one to look for. Um, iodine is one to look for too. Most either don't have it or don't have some sufficient amounts. Again, selenium is another one that again, some don't have it. Some don't have a lot. And those two nutrients are important for thyroid health, which are thyroid is so important during pregnancy. So yeah, those are just some things to look for nutrient wise, but I would definitely, if you can get something that's more catered to your needs more than anything. Totally. I love that you point out um, that they're going to, you know, kind of be loud and proud about that third-party testing. I think that for me yeah. sets those brands above above the rest, right? You have paid someone to kind of take apart your product and prove mm -hmm. that what you're saying is true. So it makes me trust exactly. you much more. Um, okay. And as far as the funky words, the methyl being in front of things. So in beauty and skincare, we're taught, like, if you can't yeah. pronounce it, it probably doesn't need to be on your name. <laughs> right. Your face, right. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, Hmm, I got two prenatals. One says methyl something, something. And one says vitamin A. I'm going to go with the one that says vitamin A. Should we be Googling what's on the back of our um, prenatals kind of before we buy them? I hate to say, I hate to recommend Googling things. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, getting a little bit of education isn't a bad idea. Um, I will explain my resource for that at the end of this. So I will definitely talk about where to go to find that information because I do, I get messages all the time that are like, where do I find this information about the different vitamins and minerals? Like, I feel like I go to different places and they all say different things about like the forms that I need and how much, and is it, can you get too much? And like all of these questions. So yeah. Ultimately, I got so many questions like that, that I was so frustrated that I just created the dang place to go, which I'll talk about more. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that it's not a bad idea to get more education. Just be careful where you're going for that education, I guess, is my caveat there. Um, totally. I meant, I meant more so like Googling does methyl, whatever, whatever mean vitamin A. And then oh, just, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's obviously vitamin A, right? Because if you're, right, 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 right. If you're a big kind of alien word that you, nobody knows how to pronounce and vitamin yeah. A, I feel like instinctually, especially as protective, you know, right. pregnant people, you're going to be like, well, I'm clearly going to go with something that I can pronounce to put into my body. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's I think, good. And I think too, on like on, on bottles, it'll say in parentheses, like if it is like a weird word that says like methyl cobalamin, like I said, I think most of them in parentheses would say like, this means vitamin B12. Sure. So okay. hopefully it'll be more descriptive than what I'm kind of saying. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, okay. Next question is about nausea. So sometimes I hear my prenatal vitamins are making me so nauseous and I'm scared to change because yeah. I'm scared they're not going to invest more money and they're going to make me nauseous again. I personally, in our clients, find a lot of it comes back to that folate versus folic acid. If we can change that little bitty folic acid to be folate, that typically takes care of it. 
what happens if that doesn't take care of it? And what are some foods or nutrients that we could use to combat that pregnancy nausea? Oh my gosh. I know I get this question a lot too, because nausea is just the worst and it happens for the majority of women, right? And the majority of women are going to experience nausea on some level during their pregnancy. Um, and granted there's like a huge range of severity. Like some people have it super mild. Some people have it so severe. So if, it, if you think it's your prenatal vitamin that's causing the nausea, then honestly, to me, that's a pretty easy fix because there's, again, like we're just saying, there's so many options out there. So I would definitely say changing your prenatal vitamin, um, taking it with food, definitely taking it with food. Cause that can absolutely help there's gummy versions of prenatal vitamins. There's powdered versions. If you have one, that's like a big pill or something, you can absolutely cut it and break it up. So there's just a lot of options when it comes to that. Again, the iron thing, iron could be causing some nausea too. So do you need iron? We can look at that. And then nutrients that specifically help with nausea. Um, again, we're talking magnesium can definitely help. And then also vitamin B6. However, again, I'm going to bring up the point that we do want to try food first. We want to try more natural options. So we want to try increasing our food intake of high magnesium foods, high B6 foods. Um, we want to try ginger things, you know, ginger, plain ginger tea or anything like that smells you like, like lemon and eucalyptus or lavender, things like that. Um, before we kind of figure out supplements, if none of those things are working, we can talk about supplements. Your doctor might talk about medications like Zofran and things like that. So those are always options. And that's what I like to say too. There are so many options out there to help you manage morning sickness and nausea. So try everything and you never know what might work. Like some, the most random things work for people. One person on Instagram said they literally just held like a lemon wedge in their mouth because that's what helped. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like whatever is going to help you, like, let's just try to figure out something that helps and then, you know, keep up with that. A lot of times too, majority of women will say the only thing they can tolerate is carbs. So, you know, like toast and bread and rice and those types of things, which is fine. You want to be able to eat something some calories is better than nothing at all. So if car plain buttered noodles or plain toast or something is the only thing you can keep down, then definitely eat those things. What I usually say is try to follow them up after with some source of protein. So like if you can eat a piece of plain toast and then maybe you're like, okay, I feel a little bit better. 30 minutes later, have some nuts or have a piece of chicken or have a piece of cheese, something that has protein and fats in it. So you're getting some other nutrients that'll be better to manage your blood sugar, all of those types of things. So that's just my, my hot tip there. <laughs> sure. And you know, if you can only eat those grain products and we just learned that they're fortified with folic acid. So, you know, yeah, yeah. there's silver lining, right? Um, I get yeah. it. My, my tip for the first trimester is eat what you can and we can yeah. make up for the first trimester in trimester two and three get yeah. through that first trimester, especially if you are on that more severe end of, right. um, of, of morning sickness or just nausea in general, eat what you can keep down. That's yeah. what you and your baby need, you know, essentially. All right. Yeah. So we talked about nausea. What about the other end of our body? What about constipation? And you know what? 
So super close to your due date, you guys, it's typical for you to have diarrhea because your body is clearing things out to make space for your baby to pass through. However, before right around your due date, and typically you're having other signs of labor, lower back aches, you might be mm-hmm. tired, you might um, be having some Braxton Hicks or some crampiness. So outside of, you know, that kind of labor prep right up next to your due date, what can we do about constipation and diarrhea during pregnancy? And could those be side effects of maybe an ill-picked prenatal? Yeah, definitely. I mean, constipation for sure. There are some forms of nutrients that could, you know, increase constipation and things like that. But as far as constipation goes, the two, two things we want to focus on are fiber and fluid. So increasing fiber foods. So cooked vegetable, I mean, vegetables in general, but cooked is usually more advantageous because women often experience bloating (laughs) too and gas in pregnancy. So cooking vegetables can help with that. But yeah, vegetable fruits and vegetables, berries are really great, high in fiber, apples, great source of fiber, Brussels sprouts, lentils. Um, the one of the I don't like the word superfood, but I always say if their superfoods were a thing, then chia seeds would be on that list because they have a unique blend of soluble and insoluble fiber. So they can actually help with diarrhea and with constipation. So chia seeds are a good little guy to include and are super easy, but you do want to make sure anytime you're increasing your fiber, you also increase fluids because it could make you more constipated if you just up your fiber intake and are drinking, you know, only the same amount of water or same amount of fluids in general. So definitely want to increase both at the same time. But yeah, there are lots of ways to increase fiber. Um, Usually we want to do it with things like fruits and vegetables. Um, that's kind of be the best route to go, but chia seeds are great too. And prunes, people will always try prunes. That's like a go-to, but I try to get more creative than prunes because I don't know. I feel like prunes are not that fun to eat, but if they help you. (laughs) Yeah. Or even prune juice. Now that was a hot tip about the fiber and the fluid because I would have never, I would definitely never thought about that. And I'm sure so many people probably go to Google, right? Constipated, I need more fiber and they increase their fiber and they're like, God, I I feel worse. And it's because the internet told you only half of your equation. You got to have fiber, but you also have to have fluid. That is, thank you. That is a hot tip right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Nausea, constipation. Mm -hmm. What about heartburn? What about heartburn in pregnancy kind of going back up to the middle of our body? This is a big one where a lot of people, and I I think a lot of people only think about it maybe in one trimester or so and heartburn last all throughout your pregnancy. And even sometimes Mm -hmm. in postpartum, it's rare in postpartum, but it can still be bothersome in postpartum. What are some things that we can do for heartburn? Yeah, I know. I, and I hate it for my clients that are just like struggling through it because it's the worst. It's funny too, because some clients that will get heartburn, like super bad or like, I never understood what people meant by like what heartburn is like that feeling. And they're like, I 100% get what they mean now. <laughs> Cause it is, it's so painful. It's so bad. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of things you can try. One of the best things I say is walking after a meal. 
I know that's not super food related, but walking gets your digestion going. So the worst thing you can do after a meal is lie down. So don't lay down on the couch after a meal because you're only like helping gravity pull that acid back up your esophagus. So at the least you want to sit up straight on the couch and work on your posture to make sure digestion is moving. But best case scenario, you go for like a 10 to 20 minute walk after you eat. So you can help digestion, small, frequent meals. Good too. Um, eating smaller portions throughout the day, um, can really help because when you eat super large meals, again, your body is like having a hard time digesting it all and can the acids, you know, of your stomach can come back up. Trigger foods is another super important tip. A lot of people have that one or two food food groups or specific foods that will trigger it. So a lot of times it's tomatoes because they're super acidic. So either tomatoes or tomato sauce. I have clients that are this either one or one specific one. Like I have some clients where it's like raw tomatoes is the culprit. And I have some clients where it's like tomato sauce is the culprit, but they can do raw tomatoes. So it's important to find what your trigger food is. That is an example, but chocolate can cause it, which sucks. Um, <laughs> I know I'm like, dude, we don't want to take away chocolate for pregnant women. I know, um, chocolate caffeine can cause it. I've heard some super random things. Um, sometimes dairy will help. So for some of my clients, drinking a glass of milk after dinner can really help subside it. Some people say that dairy makes their heartburn worse. So again, it's individualized. Um, you just kind of have to figure out what helps your heartburn and what is your trigger food. That way you can avoid that food or minimize it. If it's something you like spicy food is another culprit too. That makes sense. Spicy food triggers so much. Save your right? spicy food at the end of pregnancy, you guys, when you're trying to will that baby out and you can maybe get them out with some hot tamales, some spicy enchiladas. You can bring that baby on out. Save it, save it, save it. Don't use your spicy foods yet. All right, Ryan, my last question for you because we've covered so much and I think, I think this episode is probably going to be one that I give out for years to come because it has so many good, good. of information, good. easy fats. So fats get a bad rap, especially yeah. in pregnancy. People are super scared of fats. People are super scared of getting fat from fat. <laughs> no. How that works. Um, no. You need fat. Your yes. baby needs fat. Just so yes. everyone knows your our brain is made up of fat, right? And your baby's yep. brain is going to be 85 to 85% uh, developed by the time that they're three years old. So yeah. we want your baby to start having a foundation full of fat. Yes. And you know, it sounds scary, especially if you identify as a female, it sounds really scary to, to like put so much weight in fats, no pun intended, but fats, how do we get healthy fats in our body without choosing kind of harmful fats like carbs and always eating a mashed potatoes and, you know, having a bowl <laughs> of gnocchi every single night for nine, 10 months. What yeah. are some healthy fats? Yeah, that's such a good point. Fats are super important and fats do not correlate to the fat on your body. So I think that that's definitely something we want to bust a myth. We want to bust right away. <laughs> um, your baby's brain is like 60% fat. 
and it's being made from scratch. So you definitely need healthy fats. And then to that point as well, your need for fat soluble vitamins increases during pregnancy. So you have to eat fat for your body to absorb those vitamins. So it's super important that you have healthy fats in your diet. Um, and there is a distinction, right? There's a, there's definitely a difference between healthy and unhealthy fats. Um, this is very specifically in oils, like cooking oils. We want to do our best to avoid processed vegetable oils. Um, and instead use like avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, um, real butter is fine. Uh, coconut oil is fine. So using those types of things versus like the soybean oil and peanut oil and safflower oil, those types of ones we want to avoid. So healthy oils to cook with, super important, um, but also nuts and seeds, great healthy fats, avocados, olives, um, the fats that are naturally found in meats. So chicken skin, like the skin on chicken is fine to eat. Um, salmon, like fatty types of fish, that is a great source of healthy fat, salmon and sardines and tuna and other fatty fish, um, herring and things like that are great. Any source of fat from like other types of meat, like beef and pork too, those are actually fine. And those are good. What is also a component of those things, like, um, chicken skin, like I was just mentioning is the amino acid glycine, um, which I could talk about like a whole episode on, but glycine is an amino acid that becomes essential during pregnancy, meaning we have to get it through our diet. So getting that through food sources is important. Um, yeah, so definitely lots of healthy fat options. We don't need to limit our fat, um, dairy. That was the other one I was going to mention. Uh, fat from dairy, you can also get too. So like I actually recommend full fat dairy during pregnancy. Cool. And for people who are lactose intolerant, what sort of alternative milk? I personally drink oat because I, I am a very slender person. If you haven't seen me on Instagram, I'm a extremely tiny person. Um, and so <laughs> oat milk supposedly has, I mean, here I am listening to things on the internet, but oat milk supposedly has a, a pretty high fat content or calories. Can you confirm that? Talk about that. What should we do if we are lactose intolerant and, you know, kind of needing that full fat from dairy? Yeah. So I would just fat wise, specifically on the fat topic, I would go for fats and other things that I just mentioned. Um, but, but if you're lactose intolerant and you can't eat dairy at all, that's okay. I mean, you, you can definitely make up those nutrients and other foods. Like usually the number one nutrient people are concerned about is calcium, right? Because dairy is a huge source of calcium, but there's plenty of other foods that have calcium. So you will be fine. Usually you just have to kind of be a little more cognizant of like where your calcium is coming from. Um, most milk alternatives like oat and almond and soy and coconut, those can all generally fit in your prenatal diet. It's just, you want to be aware of what nutrients you're missing and where you're getting those nutrients, right? Because most of those milks don't have protein like cow's milk does. So those aren't going to be a source of protein for you. They aren't going to be a source of B vitamins like cow's milk is. They aren't going to be a source of B12. So if you are choosing like a plant-based milk, we do want to try to pick one that is fortified 
usually um, with some nutrients because right, dairy too can be a source of vitamin D, one of the only sources of vitamin D because vitamin D is so hard to get from food. Um, so that's another nutrient to think about. And then iodine too, dairy is a major source of iodine. So there are definitely nutrients you want to kind of think about if you are not including dairy in your diet at all, but you are all, you're definitely able to meet those without including dairy. I, that was a long-winded answer to your question, but I got, I think we got it. <laughs> totally. I think you got it. I think, I mean, you gave us way more than we could ever have even asked for. That's amazing. <laughs> I think that, you know, dairy, again, it gets a really bad rap, like other yeah. things, fats and, you right. know, iron, things that I think that we use inappropriately. And I, I, Hey, I'm lactose intolerant. So I get being lactose intolerant. I never realized how many nutrients and minerals were actually in milk. That is yeah. now it makes sense why we start young children on cow's milk. So early, it just yeah. has so many good things in it. It's actually super nutrient dense. And if, so if you aren't allergic or sensitive to it, it's definitely beneficial for you to include it. That is wild. Oh my goodness. Listeners, you had no idea you were going to get all of this good stuff. I mean, neither did I, Ryan. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Kind of opened up your brain and, and dumped it out for us. And we really appreciate that. So I know there are people out there who are like, oh my God, I got to get my hands on this Ryan girl. I got to get her into my birth team. How do I get my hands on her? So if people are interested in connecting with you on Instagram, learning about your resources, joining your prenatal library, where can people join you and connect with you and learn more from you? Yeah. Well, I'm so excited that this was so beneficial and I hope everybody feels that way. Um, but yes, come see me on Instagram. That is my biggest platform where I am every day. So at prenatal nutritionist on IG, you'll also find me on TikTok if you're a TikToker. Um, so I'm at prenatal nutritionist there as well. So yes, the prenatal nutrition library is the resource I was referring to in some of the questions and chats here. So this is basically the alternative to Googling everything under the sun when you're pregnant. There's so much misinformation out there and you get 10 million conflicting answers. So I created the one place where you can go to find evidence-based answers for your pregnancy. There is more information about every single topic that I chatted about today. So if you're like, wow, I didn't know any of this, you will get your mind blown (laughs) if you join the library. Um, It's a really awesome community too. There is a forum in there where you can connect with other women. I am actually in the library too. So there's a questions forum where you can ask me questions. Um, Granted, I can't answer any individualized nutrition questions, but if you have more general questions about the information that's presented or something that we have yet to cover in the library yet, you can post questions in there. And I'm in there twice per week answering all of the questions in there. And then we release new content every Monday based off of member suggestions. So people are really interested in different types of teas and very specific foods. So we just, this week we released a note on flax seeds. So people, a lot of confusion about flax seeds. So whatever you guys want to see is what we research and write content on. We list all of our resources. So you can go directly to the source if you're super nerdy like me um, and like to look at the peer reviewed journals and things. We link 
all of that stuff. So, you know, you're getting the most accurate up-to-date nutrition information for your pregnancy. So that's just www.theprenatalnutritionlibrary.com. We are currently building an app for it too. So I'm so excited. That's going to be out. I don't know when this is airing, but that's going to be out in December, I think early December. So I'm so excited. You'll be able to utilize the library on your phone, which was something the members requested. So I was like, okay, guess I'm building an app, uh, but it's awesome. I'm super excited about it. Um, yeah. So check that out. And then I do offer one-on-one -on -one counseling, very limited. So like by request only, if you want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can absolutely DM me on Instagram, um, or go to my website, which is the prenatal nutritionist.com. I love that so much. And listeners, I don't even have to say it, but now I know that you know why I wanted to have Ryan on here. I mean, the the prenatal nutrition library is basically the birth lounge, but for nutrition, right? We both have that science for you. We have the links for you. I, I promise you, we are wanting you to have evidence-based stuff for your birth, you guys. And this stuff is, it's here, it's out there for you. You, It's accessible go ahead and get your hands on it. So please go ahead and connect with Ryan on, on Instagram. I haven't connected with, with her on um, TikTok, but I think we all know what I'm doing right after we record this. And <laughs> otherwise, if you have questions about your nutrition, if you're in the birth lounge, you know, I am the last person to ask about nutrition. Um, and I always say like, oh, you should check out Ryan Kipling on Instagram. I, I <laughs> never, ever, ever have anything to say about nutrition just because it's not my forte, you guys. And so here is a resource that I trust and I'm backing. And I'm telling you right now that if you have questions about nutrition, this is your go-to resource. So please, please, please check it out. Otherwise, Ryan, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Of course. Thanks for hanging out with us. And listeners, thanks for being here with Ryan and I. I will see you again on Friday for another Friday free talk. Until then, take care. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. 
Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.